Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast with Simon Cocking, Senior Editor. I'll be doing a series of interviews with people at the cutting edge of green tech, clean tech, and anything else that we think is interesting and worth listening to for you guys, our listeners. Okay, so today uh, I'm very happy to have someone on who is helping us to continue to learn more about um, bees and why they're useful and interesting uh, within an Irish context. So first of all, um, who am I talking to today? Morning, Simon. It's Wally Glenner Hassett here. Great. And uh, maybe could you give us an idea a little bit about your background and, and, and what you did in general before we even start talking about bees? Sure, Simon. So um, I've been working in, I suppose, the comms industry in Ireland for about 42 years, retired mm-hmm. about two years ago. Um, and I suppose the first half of that was mainly spent on the engineering side and then moved in to the sales side. So for the last uh, 20 odd years, I suppose I've been supporting uh, or looking after the sales for a company called Comscope, an American company um, with a large base here in Ireland. Great. And so, you know, uh, I came to meet you through Host in Ireland and uh, this bees initiative so um for those that don't know i mean it's dc's for bees isn't it is that it is indeed yeah so um host in ireland was an association i suppose originally set up by uh gary connolly who's the the president of host in ireland i knew him in an earlier life um we did some business together and i got involved or got comscope involved in in host in ireland when i was working there and I suppose the initiative bees in Ireland was something that uh, Gary felt very strongly about. And um, it was really to try and uh, generate some interest and awareness of how important bees are in Ireland and to promote it through the industry, because obviously he has a uh, host in Ireland has a large platform in the, in the industry. I was particularly interested in this area being, and Gary knew I had been keeping bees for a number of years. Um, so it was a natural fit for me, always interested in the outdoors and anything to do with um, getting out and about. And because of that, I suppose I had a, a bit of an interest in what bees did and um, got more and more involved in it and um, just found out more and more about it and how important they are to all of us and to, you know, um, preparing and uh, how they generate food for us. Awesome. So I guess let's let, let's look at the bee side first of this. So how long, like, how long have you been interested in bees? What got you into it? And then how did you develop and expand your interest in bees? So I guess I've always been interested in bees, always fascinated by them. Uh, you know, had read a little bit about them over the years. Um, and uh, I, I suppose mainly interested in honeybees. And then um, when I retired, I'd had a little bit more time and started keeping honeybees in hives and started reading up a little bit more about bees and found out that, you know, we have one species of honeybee in Ireland in general. Um, but in addition to that, we have 21 different species of bumblebees, which is uh, which was news to me. Uh, but in addition to that, we have an extra 77 different types of solitary bees in Ireland. So whenever, you, you know, you're out and about and you see bees buzzing around the place, there's uh, the chances are they could be um, 
any one of 99 different bee species, uh, you know, if you're not familiar with being able to tell which one it is. Wow. So as a rule of thumb, would bumblebees be bigger and solitary bees smaller or is that not a good generalization? It's probably a, a reasonable generalization. Bumblebees, I think most people are kind of familiar with bumblebees. They're big. They, you know, it's, it's, it always seems a bit of a mystery how those little wings seem to keep those big, big bodies buzzing around the place. But yeah, bumblebees tend to be bigger. And of those up to 99 types that we have, if you see a bee, how, how often are you able to, to recognize which type it is? Well, in yeah, there is a good one. Uh, in, in, I, I guess I'll probably pick out a honeybee. I may pick out one or two types of bumblebees, and you know my knowledge of solitary bees would be pretty bad. Um, so in general, I, you know, I, I'm learning all the time, but it, it is you need to have looked fairly closely at them to be able to pick them out. So, so here I'm going to put you on the spot. So, so we 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 saw one in the polytunnel, and it was all black, but with with like an orange mark on its bum, and that seems to be the only coloration. So, w would you know what kind of bee that is? Um, you would probably need to have a closer look, but uh, uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> you're putting me on the spot, all right? Yeah. Okay, that's cool. I'll, uh, I guess I'll go to Google Images then. Um, yeah, so no, I, now, I, I could probably help you out with that later on if you like. Awesome. <laughs> um, now, you do keep bees, don't you? Is that right? I, I do indeed, yeah. I, so, yeah, go on. Uh, yeah, I keep honeybees. So, um, have them here in my garden. Also kept them in, in a golf club for a while. And I'm keeping them in a lo local school as well. So, keep bees in a number of different places. and. Um, yeah, really enjoy it. I mean, the, the the whole, as I said, what got me into bees in the first place was uh, just the the, uh, the idea of the colony, how they work together. Um, and, you know, there's one queen in there that produces eggs that can have up to 60,000 different bees in there at any one time in a hive during the summer. Um, then you've got all the other worker bees who are uh who are the females and do all the work uh clean the hive uh look after the young feed the young uh go and gather the food uh and then there's the drones who are the males who uh are there for one purpose and that's to make sure that the queen gets fertilized so uh an easy life uh-huh and so how many hives do you have at those various locations so I, I have a small number at the moment. I've got three hives and uh, one hive in each of the places at the minute. Um, but that's that's kind of enough to keep me interested um, and enough to get me honey, which is is given away uh, generally. OK. And so um, how much honey would you get through a season? And then how often do you get stung? Would you get stung once a visit or or is it more or less? Well, it depends, I suppose, in terms of stinging. Bees generally, and talking about honeybees, um, generally don't like stinging you because they uh, they won't do it unless they feel they're under attack or the, they've uh, th there's something going on. Because generally, they will die as soon as they they lose the sting, uh, rips part of their body away as it stays in you know when they sting you and it stays in your body. Mm -hmm. um, so they die afterwards. So it's not something they're really going to do. So um, 
you know, obviously you get stung down again, but generally it's because you have done something wrong rather than uh, them wanting to attack you. Uh-huh. Um, in terms of the amount of honey, uh, generally in, in a hive can produce anything up to, you know, uh, it, it can vary an awful lot, but, you know, 30, 40 pounds of honey out of a hive wouldn't be, wouldn't be unusual. Wow. So, I mean, that's plenty. Well, that's, that's yeah. a lot. Um, so, so, so with the DC for bees thing, so the DCs is data centers. Um, can, can you, uh, for those that don't know anything at all about this, uh, explain a little bit about what the thinking is behind this and what it does? So, um, I, I suppose the whole, uh, just as an industry, um, it was felt that data centers, uh, data, um, hosts in Ireland as an, in, as, as an association had a huge reach into data centers and had the ability to, I suppose, encourage people and influence people to do different things. Mm-hmm. First of all, in the industry, the businesses that were members of hosts in Ireland and um, to look at the grounds that they had, what they could do with, you know, generally, if you look at data centers and the companies that are involved in hosts in Ireland, they have lots of green spaces around their their businesses. So there was plenty of potential to do things in those areas. But I suppose the area I, I got more involved in was looking at trying to influence the people that work in those companies. And um, hence this presentation that I think you know about that we put together called mm-hmm. Uh, it was really, if we all do something small, the result can be enormous. So it's really just trying to point out to people um, what we can each individually do that together can make a huge difference to uh, our pollinators. And I think, you know, maybe you haven't really mentioned that, but honeybees, bumblebees and solitary bees together um, are what are the main pollinators of the plants in Ireland. So all our crops um without the bees we would have uh, you know hugely diminished returns from farmers and and uh, and so on around the country so the importance of those pollinators is huge and um anything we can do to um i suppose improve their loss and make sure that they uh, survive uh, can make a big difference and um so that, that's what we started trying to do, to try and talk to people, because uh, generally, I think with m- many of these global problems, people feel powerless in what they as individuals can do. So the thinking behind this was if um, if we could show people that by doing something small in the way in what they do in their own lives, um, it can help to influence um, th- this big reduction there is in our wild pollinators. And that that reduction, I mean, as I mentioned, I think we have um, we had 99 different bee species in Ireland. Of those, um, uh, two have uh, become extinct in the last number of years. Uh, six are critically endangered, um, and another 24 different types are very very vulnerable and in, you know at risk at the moment. So. We all need to do something to ensure the survival of of our pollinators. And principle, I mean, butterflies and other things do it, but the principal pollinators are are bees. 
And uh, so that's really what we're trying to do, trying to see if we can encourage people to understand the fact that they can, we, we can all do something to make a difference, no mm -hmm. matter how small that might be. Um, if we all do a little bit, it can make, you know, it can make a significant change. Definitely. Uh, I think it's very positive. I think it's a really good idea. Um, if, if other people were looking to do stuff, what, wh what tips would you give? Would it be to uh, plant flowers first, get the beehives or both? Or, you know, what, what, what would be a, a smart way to go about doing something to follow your advice? Yeah, well, so right from, um, uh, I, I think if you can, there's a lot of things we can do. And certainly, I, I think looking at people's gardens, if you were to just make a couple of small changes to her, easy changes to make, um, it can make a huge difference and i'm thinking okay. of things like you know just generally at the beginning of the season at the beginning of um uh as we head into the spring when uh you know the bees are really looking for food and i include all types of bees the honeybees bumblebees and the solitary bees um th there's a huge um lack of food around and things like dandelions are one of the few flowers around at that time that, that, that bees can really get a, a large amount of food from. So little things like, I guess, typically in Ireland, people start cutting their grass on Patrick's Day. If you were to leave that till the middle of the following month, um, mm -hmm. you know, the dandelions have bloomed, but they haven't gone to seed yet. So, you know, no worries for your gardens going forward. So just put off maybe cutting your grass for a few months or for, sorry, a few weeks. Um, mm -hmm you know, early in the spring, then maybe have a look at your garden and see would there be an area that you might dedicate to to wildflowers or just letting grow wild. And um, that all those flowers that you could have in a relatively small area um, could, could be huge amount of food for, for bees going forward. Also, and I mean, you, you mentioned uh, flowers in general. I think if you, have a look at a list of um, plants that are specifically good for pollinators. Try to okay. get that list, and I can point you. Uh, you know the, the the pollinator plan. There is a place you can go to get a huge resources, and and we we, we can we can talk about that. Um, but make a list. Make a list of plants so that when you do go to the you know your local garden centre to buy some more uh, plants for your garden or whatever that you know what you want to buy before you go there and you know you want to buy some plants that will be good for our pollinators. I think more and more you see plants sometimes in, in garden centres that are, say, bee-friendly. Um, I've mm -hmm. planted many, many of them and um, in some cases I haven't seen too many bees going near them. So um, I, I'd encourage you to go to, go to um, some of those resources so that we, we can mention to... Uh, to, to make a list of, of plants that might be good. Yeah, and I, I know the pollinator plan you're referring to, so we can include a link to that into the article. So that's, I think that's really good. Um, looking back on your time, uh, are there any ins is there anything you'd have done differently uh, based upon your experience from what you've learned? Uh, anything I'd have done differently. So um, yeah, I'd probably have uh, started much earlier in my life. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I'm, 
you know, I'd encourage people if they're interested to, you know, I was involved in lots of different associations or have been involved in everything from sports clubs, you know, golf courses. Um, and I think there's all these areas we can influence people. You know, we've mentioned, obviously, things you can do in your garden. But we all have the potential to influence so many other people to do different things. And, you know, we, we, we talk in the presentation, uh, you know, Nicole talks a lot about work you can do in gardens. But I talk a little bit about um, some some uh, a golf course I'm involved in where, you know, they've done things to change the, the way the golf course is laid out. And, okay. you know, everybody associates golf courses with pristine uh, fairways and manicured greens and so on. And we have that in the golf course, but we have in between all the fairways, the grass has been allowed to grow pretty wild. In some cases, wildflowers have been encouraged and um, it's suddenly become a huge habitat for lots of wild, uh, wild animals. But in particular, obviously, and the focus was on pollinators. So by making small changes, it doesn't really affect, you know, the purpose of what we're trying to do in a golf course, but it's um, it's it's hugely helped the pollinators. And uh, it was something quite easy to do. The head greenkeeper was very sympathetic to it. Um, and, um, you know, he's cut down the amount of, of uh, insecticides and uh -huh. uh, weed killers and things like that he uses. He uses them where he requires them as opposed to blanket using them. And this is something that's really important and, and can be mirrored in, in your gardens as well. Um, insecticides uh, kill insects, our pollinators are insects. So, uh, you know, th th they don't particularly like insecticides. Yeah. Um, so, you know, th there's lots of things we can do. And I'm talking about, you know, golf courses, but, you know, if you're involved in, you know, GAA, football, whatever, um, pitches tend to be, the grass area tend, or astroturf in many cases tends to be fairly fixed and not a lot you can do. But if you move outside that, in many cases, there are hedgerows around the pitch. Um, there are maybe flowers around uh, clubhouses and so on. Um, so there's lots of things you can do. And if you're a member of, of organizations like that, you can influence the way they do things. Uh, and obviously, in Ireland, we're very good at... Uh, lobbying politicians and um every year when they come around knocking at the door with their request for support uh you know the green areas that are around in all our estates on our motorways and so on um roundabouts if they're all let grow wild or failing that if they're cut less often they would supply huge amounts of environment and um at food and shelter for our pollinators. So, you know, there's lots of things we can all do without, you know, drastically changing what we do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you say, they're kind of small, easy wins. Uh, so therefore, you know, and it's great that the golf courses are buying into that because they would have been the ones maybe that had most heavily put pesticides and things on the land. Whereas, you know, that you have a lot more people running golf courses who are interested in having it be more biodiverse. So I, I think it's great and it's, it's doable, but you can still play golf. So I think that makes sense. Um, 
with, with with the lockdown that we had for six months and 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 the return of this um have you seen any difference in terms of bees or or the bees um and their 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 population numbers and their productivity do, do they vary for a variety of reasons of which this is just one and it's hard to differentiate or or have things been any different this year um yeah i mean the the the, the numbers can vary for for lots of different reasons um everything from global warming to uh you know the availability of food and and, and so on um mm. this year i i think um it, it might not have been the best year for bees i think it was the early summer um may not have been the, the best uh for them and listen i struggled sometimes to find reasons for why different things happen but listen i i, I would say um i i think there's lots of things we've seen uh a lot more butterflies around this year um yep. I, I think wildlife in general has had a a pretty good time this year due to the lockdown there's obviously been um a lot less pollution there's certainly been a minimum number of jets flying overhead uh, so i i think in general um you know our our habitats um have probably seen some benefit for um for what we've gone through over the last number of months yeah and i guess like you say that often there are so many factors in play that the potential there's a lot of things that could help wildlife positively and then other things that we don't really know um so yeah it's it's it's, it's an easy question but it's hard to answer <laughs> yeah for sure um so look uh, i think it's been really interesting and i think it's help helps to give an idea of the, the why it's a good thing to do it and the things that people can do to to help um what's the best way for people to find out more or take it forwards then yeah i mean as you as you mentioned um, if you include the link uh, to the pollinator plan okay. um i i think that's probably uh the best way to find out information and um certainly if you go to the host in ireland website there's information there as well that um, um dc for bees will will link you into some more information awesome so uh thanks very much for taking the time to chat with us and um uh, as you say there's 99 bees so to speak types of bees so i think it's you know it's fun and it's interesting and, and, it, and it gives you something else to look at when you're looking at the flowers and you see a bee to then try and work out what what the bee was that you saw absolutely absolutely and i'll get back to you on that one you mentioned earlier <laughs> Thanks a lot. Yeah, take, take care. Cheers, Simon. We hope you enjoyed that podcast, and we will be bringing you more across as diverse and interesting a range of stories as we can find. You're welcome to reach out to us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or by email, and give us any feedback and let us know what you'd like us to cover in the future. Thanks, and keep listening.